Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to Intentionally Inspirational, the podcast for entrepreneurs and those who just want more out of life. Now for your host and author of the upcoming book, The Backwards Route to Forward Progress, Jason Wright. What's happening, everybody? Hey, it's Jason Wright, your host, and this is episode number 53, Talented Learning with John Lay. Before we jump into the conversation with John and I, share a little pain slash funny story with you guys. So I use a MacBook Air to do my podcasting and most of the work for my business because that is the superior of the two machines that we have, the other one being a PC. If I've ruffled your feathers on that, not my problem. Just kidding. Anyway, last week I got a notification in the iTunes store that there was a new operating system upgrade available. And some of you may know where this is going, but I upgraded from whatever I had before, never paid attention, to Sierra, and upon doing so, my computer began to run very slowly and the fans are stuck on high. So I took it into the Apple store twice, very helpful, they did everything they could do. It's still not really any better um, at least I can record a podcast now with the computer very far away because it's loud. But I've built a little uh, sound booth out of cardboard and foam acoustic panels, which seems to be working pretty well, so you won't hear that. And the next step is they want to ship the computer out for, I think, five days. So hope I don't have to go that route because I really can't afford the downtime, but it is what it is. My point of telling you all this is exactly the stuff we talk about all the time. You know, even I deal with stuff that I don't foresee, plan, or want to deal with, but you don't have a choice. That's how life works. So you have to find ways to overcome your circumstances and keep pushing. Otherwise, you end up with a thumb in your mouth and a bottle for dinner and no forward progress. And we know that's not how I like to roll, and that's not how I want you guys to roll. So anyway, talking about overcoming that itty-bitty struggle, let's get on to the, the good part of the show had a conversation with John Lay. Um, I'll introduce him on the actual interview in here in just a second. But he's a great guy. He's got a good story. And he touches on some points that I know are going to speak to some of you. So let's check out the conversation that John and I had. Hello, everybody. Today I've got a great guest with me. I've got John Lay, who is the CEO, co-founder, and lead analyst for Talented Learning. John, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks, Jason. Thanks for having me. No problem. Just so I understand, and you may fill in the blanks or I may miss, but so what your company does, you're kind of a news research and consulting firm that helps uh, businesses of all sizes kind of choose LMS solutions non-related to their employees, correct? That is correct. Uh, that is correct. In 2017, there's almost 700 different learning technology platforms, and they all do somewhat the same thing and, and a lot of different things. And so what our firm does is that we work with organizations really to help uh, them understand what they need, uh, what their requirements are, and then point them in the right direction in the marketplace so that they're, they're evaluating uh, vendors that are specialists in what they're trying to achieve. So what would be a, a simple, easy-to-digest example of that? So somebody listening may be like, what are these guys talking about? Like, give me an example, I guess a simple example of how that might work. Well, a lot of large organizations, software organizations, for example, like Dell or HP or other high-tech organizations, 
they sell their products and services through a third-party channel, uh, partner and, and channel network. And those partner and, and channel employees, are they're, they're not employees of the actual software companies. So they need to uh, train these people and certify them on Dell products and services so that they can go out and resell uh, across the world, for example. And so an organization like that would come to us and they say, this is our challenge. We want to train and certify our channel partners so that we can sell more and, and, and win in the marketplace. You know, what type of technology company should we be talking to that can help us do that and have experience in, in doing exactly that for similar companies? Uh, so that'd be a typical use case that I see, uh, you know, every day. Well, that's a great that's a great explanation, and uh, it's almost like you have some idea what you're talking about. So, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, no, that's that really does help out. So, you started the company in 2014. Why don't you kind of tell us how all that started? Well, um, what happened? Uh, maybe I'll take a step back uh, before that. About 20 years, I, I got a master's degree in 20 years ago in instructional technology. Which is uh, you know same thing I'm uh, I'm doing right now, which is using technology to help people learn, and uh, but I got into uh, right from the very beginning. Uh, I when I started uh, coming out of, of college, I was in organizations that were creating content, but instead of creating e-learning or what they call it computer-based training content for employees, uh, I got into a company that was helping people train their channel partners and their customers. Uh, very much similar to that example I, I just gave you. And uh, what, what I learned in, in that process very early on in my career is that organizations were willing to pay a lot more for learning content when it was tied to revenue and tied to making profit uh, versus uh, just employee training, which is usually around cost reduction and, and automation. And so it was a lesson that I learned early on in my career. And so as, as I progressed, I, I fell into uh, learning management systems sales, uh, enterprise sales. And uh, as an instructional designer, instructional technologist, I did pretty good at it. And I did it for 13 years. And all 13 years that I was selling for two different companies and, uh, and eventually led global sales and, and marketing for one of them, instead of selling learning management systems for employees, I always tried to find those channel and partner and customer opportunities where I could tie it to revenue and that was my particular specialty. And in all that time uh, of being in the industry, there was no analysts, there was no researchers that were talking about this segment of the marketplace. But I knew for uh, you know from experience that it was very real and very profitable. And so I uh, hung up my sales shoes and co-founded Talented Learning to really be that place to go. So we started researching uh, the learning technology market. Uh, specific to all those type of organizations that are, are trying to use it for their non-employees. And we started writing about it, doing product reviews, uh, writing serious blog posts. Uh, now have almost 100 blog posts, 50 original webinars, and, and we build a, a nice global following of, of thousands of people. And, and all of that is, is really to, to help people that are involved in learning technology initiatives to understand what's out there, how they can do it better, what are the best vendors, and and really who can they partner with uh, to help achieve their goals. And, and, and that's uh, and what we were founded to do, and, and that's what we, we do every day. That's, uh, that's very, very cool. I mean, your site is awesome. I mean, it took me a little while to kind of wrap my mind around what you did, but as far as just the layout and the content is so rich, uh, just a, an awesome, awesome website you've got with great resources everywhere. So very nice job on that. Thanks. 
Did you, so when you were in your previous roles, did you ever have that feeling like, hey, maybe I want to do this for myself someday, or was it not really on your radar? Yeah, so during those 13 years, what would happen is that, uh, you know, organizations themselves would reach out to the vendors and say, hey, we're, we're buying a learning management system or we want to. And, you know, you would, uh, you know, work with the, the companies directly to try to, to sell or work through a request for proposal process to, to sell them a learning management solution. But every now and then, and again, there was a consultant that was in between. There was somebody that always worked with the, the buyer and acted as the intermediary with the, the vendor community and myself. And every time I ran into one of those buyers across those 13 years, I thought, you know, I could do a great job as that intermediary. And uh, and eventually I, I took the leap, and that's exactly what I've become is is that intermediary to, to help organizations buy better. And as a result, help organizations sell better, too, through the reverse coaching that, uh, that I get to provide. Now you just piqued my interest a great deal. What is reverse coaching? So uh, after spending 13 years selling, uh, now that I'm on the buying side and I help organizations buy, I, I get to see, see as a sales guy, what you don't get to see is other sales people uh, very often in action. You don't see your competitors and you don't see your peers even in the same company because uh, it just doesn't work that way. Everybody's kind of out on their own and, unless you're in sales management. And so there, there's not a lot of chances to stack rank yourself, to uh, understand how good you are as a salesperson and, and what you're strong at and what you're weak at. And uh, though I focused for all my years on learning that about myself, there, there still is a big blind spot because you don't get to really see in action against people selling LMSs, uh, for example. So now on the buyer side, uh, what I do is I, I help buyers buy uh, by identifying the, the short list of, of qualified vendors. And so I'll get to see three or four highly qualified vendors for a particular opportunity and I get to watch them sell from A to Z. And it's fascinating for me since I wore those shoes and carried that bag. And what I do is uh, I reverse coach. You know, I help them sell better by, you know, after the fact, debriefing with them, pointing out, you know, their strengths or weaknesses, both on an individual and a corporate level. And not with the intention of so much of, of making money or consulting sales, but really for the, the intention of, of, make, of allowing them to find better customers in the future because where learning technology really works is when the buyers and the sellers are both happy with the arrangement and they're both marching in the same direction. So by the reverse coaching, I'm helping them sell better and giving them feedback that they just don't get normally or ever, I think, in a, in a qualitative or quantitative manner. Well, it sounds like that probably goes a long way in building strong relationships too. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. And so when I when I bring these vendor partners in on, a, on an opportunity, uh, right now it, it it is more than just being that consultant that's standing in the way because it's you know because I'm building those relationships, uh, you know I, I have my name and you know our, our company's name and stamp on that, and uh, you know that allows us I, I think to provide better information flow both ways, uh, both to the buyer and to the seller, so that everybody is. Is, is more in the light. And, and the reason that you want to do that is, you know, these solutions can be really expensive. It's, it's easy to spend a million dollars uh, to invest a million dollars in learning technology over one year or certainly over a multiple wow. year standpoint. And so, you know, to not waste money is, is pretty critical. Uh, and, and to do it right is, is in the best interest of a lot of people. Wow. Well, let me ask you this. So when you talked about, I'm um, kind of going back to one area, so I'm just really curious. So you talked about the, the time spent in the field selling when you were still an employee. 
what happened in, in 2014 where you either finally saw your opportunity or you finally said, you know, enough is enough. Like, I got to do this. I got to do my own thing. Do you remember mm-hmm. kind of that moment or that point that, that you switched over there? Oh, I agonized over it. Uh, I just absolutely agonized over it because uh, the, the, the good thing about being uh, pretty decent at selling enterprise solutions that are seven figures is that you make a pretty decent fiscal living. And so, you know, to, to hang that up and to, to give away that W-2 uh, and start your own thing in, in something that's, uh, you know, you have no experience in and you have to build it up from, from scratch, uh, you know, is a scary proposition. Um, and so I thought about it for a lot of years. Uh, I'd like to say I was real smart and I, you know, made the decision and had my business plan and, you know, all that took 60 days, but it didn't. It probably took six years as I thought about it and I evolved it and tossed it around and prepared and saved and, you know, did what I could on the side and weekends to prepare for the, uh, the very painful hit of giving up a W2 and, and starting your own organization and living off your savings. And, uh, so, uh, that process, uh, you know, when it did happen, I knew I had to do it, uh, or, you know, I'd just basically be a sales guy for the rest of my life. And I just didn't want to do that. Absolutely. Do you have any regrets now looking back? Oh my gosh. No, I wish I would have done it earlier. That's awesome. uh, I was at, uh, I was a chicken. Um, you know, I probably couldn't have done it 20 years earlier or even 15 years earlier, but I probably could have done it 10 years earlier. Uh, but I would never go back. The last three years have been great. I mean, I was stretching my wings. We self-funded, uh, the organization. So, you know, there's no uh, outside influence. Nice. I don't do it. You know, I just don't do a thing I don't want to do. And, uh, you know, I don't have to be beholden or influenced to anybody. And it's really been the, the, the greatest three years of my life from a professional standpoint. Well, I love what you just said, because you captured the fear that so many people listening are experiencing. I, I can't tell you in a week or in a month, how many people I talk to have great ideas, but it's that fear. What if I fail? What will people think? That's the biggest thing. People are obsessed about what other people are going to think. I just can't stand that. Like, I don't give a rip what people think about me because it doesn't have any bearing on your situation. But, you know, people still have that fear. You know that fear. It's powerful. And here you are. You've gone through it. You've triumphed. And now you're looking back like, man, I should have done this 10 years sooner. So I hope somebody listening is like, yeah, that's that's so me. I, I need to do something. So beautiful. The fear yeah, the fear was palatable, uh, w- w- without a doubt. I, I, I mean, the first, because the only way this could work for my business is that I needed to help people buy learning management systems. But where do you find them? You know, how do you how do you find people that are buying learning man- for thirteen years? I tried to figure out where those people were earlier than the you know the next guy, and so that was always the struggle of of how could. How could I find these prospects before they found the learning management systems themselves? And so how could I get myself in between there? And the only way that I could figure out how to do it without spending a fortune was by writing, was by uh, creating a blog and and creating inbound paths that talked about buying and selling learning management systems in a way that people would recognize, hopefully, that I knew what I was talking about and, and be able to engage. There's only one problem is that I never written, written anything uh, publicly other than proposals in my whole life. So on top of the fear of giving up my W-2, I had a very public fear of, of, of really looking silly in front of a whole lot of people uh, trying to write. And, uh, and that weighed on me a, a lot, too. Uh, however, I got over it, and, and now writing is now uh, – Absolutely one of my joys. I just love when I could carve the time to, to be able to do it now on a, on a more frequent basis. 
Absolutely. And I was, uh, we got a, a touch into something I was going to talk to, uh, talk about in a second, and that's your content strategy. But before I jump into that, um, any major challenges that you faced when you got, you know, got the business started, like say in the first 12 months, what would you say some of your biggest challenges were just getting things going, getting traction? There's a lot of challenges, uh, getting going. If I had it all to do over again, I would have done more preparation. I think, uh, more blocking and tackling on, on somebody's W2, uh, you know, while still getting paid, uh, somewhere else. But I, I think what, what surprised me was all the things I didn't know, uh, around accounting, um, uh, you know, around just invoicing and collecting and, you know, setting up websites and WordPress and, you know, hooking that to databases and learning what marketing automation tools are and why you want to build an email list and what SEO is. And, you know, I didn't know any of that stuff or, yeah. or knew it at a, at a pretty minor level. And so, uh, in addition to trying to, uh, you know, earn money as fast as I could and, and build traffic, you know, I had to spend a significant amount of time learning things that I didn't know. And, uh, you know, but just like riding a bike, you know, once you learn them, they're like anything in life, it, you know, once you know it, it's not tough. Um, but I was surprised about all the things that I was supposed to know that I didn't. Absolutely. No, I think that's really fair. And yeah, that one of the things that's got me, my story is kind of interesting. I've, uh, done what you did and, and failed, you know, quit a, an employer and tried to go full time on my own and failed and burned up a bunch of money and time. And then, kind of limped along and uh, rebuilding and going to do it again at some point. So I say that very publicly with complete confidence and unwavering conviction, which I'm <laughs> sure you understand. But yeah, a lot of, a lot of people just, they don't like, like you said, like wordpress.org. Like when I first learned what that was, I'm like, what in the world is open source? What is an open source website? I don't know what that means. There's a lot of little things that you never think about. Like you say, and going along with that, there's a lot of little costs you never even knew existed. Like, good Lord, everything costs so much. So mm -hmm. really well said. So let's talk about your content strategy for a moment. Some people listening may not have a clue what that is. But uh, for what I gathered, it looks like your your goal and what you're doing well is being a, an authoritative resource in your industry. Uh, kind of share with us a little bit what that means and how that works. Mm -hmm. So what – you know, what happened during the 13 years as you become a professional salesperson and you're selling higher and higher ticket items, what you find pretty quickly in your career is that you're more experienced than most of the people that you're more experienced selling than most of the people are at buying. And, you know, maybe not in the first five or 10 years of your career, but it, it, it happens somewhere in that in that time period where you become uh, more experienced in, in selling. And as that transition occurs, what becomes painfully glaring obvious is the mistakes that buyers make and the mistakes they make in research, the mistakes they make in, in, in just their assumptions on what they need or what they think they need or how to approach it or how they should negotiate or how they should prepare or what vendors they should be talking to or how a proposal process should work or you know what questions they should ask. You know, all of that, there's no – you know, there's no Bible or there's no document that you can go to that teaches you all that stuff. Uh, and so you either learn it by just being naturally good at it or through experience. But everybody else is is kind of very, um, you know, very inexperienced and, and unsure of themselves when buying a million dollar system where your uh, career could be uh, tied to it. And so I got to, uh, you know, throughout my career, just paying attention to all the different types of buyers and all the different types of mistakes that they made. 
And, and sometimes those mistakes would be in my benefit. And a lot of times, you know, they wouldn't be in my, in my benefit as a salesperson, but from a content standpoint, I thought, you know, if I could just write about all those mistakes that people make and try to be a place where people could go to make smart, practical decisions, to not buy sizzle, you know, to not get caught up in the marketing fluff, but think about things strategically and from a measurable business value, if I could identify all those different areas and start writing about them, inevitably I would find people that were Googling that exact problem that would get caught into my my SEO net or my, my content net. And once I got caught in there and they read one of those articles, since they're all linked to, you know, 10 or more articles, you know, each one, hopefully they would start bouncing, you know, in my network of content and find lots of valuable information that would help them uh, make the, the right choice. And so from my content strategy standpoint, my goal was to provide as much free resources as I possibly could about all this stuff because I knew at the end, or at least I theorized, at the end people would say, if I get all this stuff for free, what do I get if I actually pay this guy? Absolutely. And, and uh, you know, and that was my strategy. And so, you know, now I don't help people buy, you know, when people have a big problem, you know, they come to me and, I, you know, help them figure it out. And that, that's all from the, the content. That's all the content strategy working. Well, kind of piggybacking off of that, I just saw this uh, right before we jumped on the call today. Uh, how have webinars worked for you? It's something I've thought about getting into myself this year, and I see you've got quite a bit going on there. How's that? How's that played out? I like it a lot. Uh, so I have two main content uh, venues or, or medium, and it's, it's the blog posts and it's the webinars. And a webinar is essentially what we're doing now, except you you fly without a net live. And so, you know, we'd be talking, we're talking live now, but we don't have an audience of, of one or 500 people that are tuning in at the same time. So you know, webinars kind of are, are similar to this, but they, they carry some risk of downside, uh, you know, from a technical standpoint, if things go wrong. But the upside is, is that they can be interactive. You can get questions from the audience. Uh, you can help turn, they can help turn the presentation or point clarification on the presentation in ways that uh, weren't anticipated. And you get a lot of interaction with questions and, and back and forth. And why all that is important is, you know, the webinars, uh, just like the blog posts, are all on topics that will hopefully – be useful to people that are thinking about or buying or have just purchased purchased uh, learning technology. And so it throws a nice net to, to find people that uh, are responding to the abstract or the marketing of that particular webinar and, uh, and then being able to, you know, try to share some, some best practices. Uh, and sometimes, lots of times they take that knowledge and they go and they hopefully make good decisions. And lots of times they, you know, come reach back out to town to learning and ask for help in one way or another to, to you know, in, in their process. So I find it uh, invaluable. It, uh, last year, I, I, I've done about 50 altogether. In, in, um, in 2017, we're doing one every three weeks. Uh, we, just, we just keep it every three weeks, and then we market it for three weeks, and we're ready to go uh, right on the next one. And it's kind of tied right into our, our blog content, so the, the two go together. So if we catch people's attention uh, with a relevant topic in the blog, you know, they can sign up for the deeper le level conversation in, in the webinar. Uh, so for me, it's, it's really been uh, a nice strategy. We've been recording those webinars and then we use those as, you know, put those behind forms uh, over time. So uh, it's still free content, but 
uh, you have to identify yourself to access, you know, the back library of these of these recordings. Sure. Does a webinar give you a good opportunity to capture email addresses as well to build that list? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, just in the registration process, you know, you're you're getting who they are. Or, you know, you can control how much or how little you want to collect in the registration process. I, I try to keep it real light, not to scare people off. But yeah. in, in the end of the day, it is building that list because, you know, over time, not everybody is in the market, uh, you know, for a learning management system or, you know, or passing through that phase in their career as they go do something else. And so, you know, c- continually building, grooming that list is, is really paramount, I think, to finding people when they are ready in, in that particular cycle. Uh, yeah, email still remains the best way to get in touch with people, and it's definitely going to be your most engaged follower. So very, very important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think so too. Well, let me ask you this. You've been there before. What three tips, kind of actionable takeaways, would you give anybody that's considering a startup or in a startup that's going to try to use some kind of content to grow their audience, whether it's podcasts like this one, whether it's webinars, whether it's YouTube, or whatever the case may be, even blogging? What would you What would you say to them? I think <sighs> that's a good question. Thank um, you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> you must be a professional. The uh, I think probably the most important thing that you can do is, is, is that you can't fake it. You got to find something that you're really interested in. Writing is hard. I'm, you know, I'm sure Hemingway, you know, he's blasting things out all the time and, and thought it was great. And there's probably bloggers that can do that. But for me, writing's been hard. It's always a laborious process to try to organize my thoughts. You know, try to figure out what I want to talk about, organize it, and, and do it in an engaging way is is something that is. is really a labor of love. And so if you're going to start any entrepreneurial business that's centered around content, you know, that better be something that not only do you know deeply, but that you're passionate about. Otherwise you'll hit the wall almost immediately. Cause even with a topic that I am passionate about, you know, I feel like I hit that content wall a lot of times where I'm struggling for the next new topic and until a new idea or vein of, of, of topics hits me. So I think that's number one is, is just do something that you're passionate about. It may seem trite, but if it's going to be content, you don't have any other choice. I think the other thing is to ride on somebody's W2 is long as you can and invest that time wisely. I'm not saying you take your 40 hours that you're supposed to be working for them and work on your business plan, but you work your 40 hours for your company and then you work your nights and your weekends where, you know, you don't have to work without a net. You know, you're still getting paid during that time. So, you know, your business plan, you know, getting the basics of your WordPress site, you know, getting fresh books or whatever your accounting system is, you know, tying these different software platform to the beginnings of your writing, uh, you know, all that should happen while you're still employed and, and finding that in your spare time, getting up early or going to bed late. And that way you can hit the ground running with, um, you know, with, w- without so much lag time because it is, uh, I guess the third tip is to, to really prepare for that lag time. Uh, no matter what your job is, whether you're making 40 grand or whether you're making 240 grand, when you give up your salary, uh, you know, you feel that uh, because you're not only giving up the, the 40 grand that's coming in, but you're also dipping into your savings that it took so long to, to build up in the first place to compensate for that 40 grand. So even if you pull your belt really tight, you, you know, you feel that everybody feels that. And so to plan for that and to, you know, ensure that you have a cushion uh, of of not only fiscal uh, fiscal cushion, but a content cushion. Uh, so, you know, if you took a year 
uh, have that fiscal and content cushion so that you can roll things out over time and uh, and, and start gener- generating that that revenue uh, sooner. And so I always uh, I always tell people about my my rule of ten, and it's not uh, you know it's it's nothing fantastic, but I'm like a lifelong learner. I have like I'm not even kidding you. I probably have a hundred different ongoing hobbies that I've had some for five years, some for 40 years that I, that I've been working on. And, uh, I just love doing all my hobbies and learning about all different things. And I learned on early on, just as a kid, that the power of 10. And that is, if you just take 10 minutes a day and you do that six times a week, you're basically looking at 50 hours in a given year. So just a measly 10 minutes a day, if you practice writing or if you practice guitar or if you jogged, or if you did push-up, ten minutes—that's fifty hours. That's you know, ten minutes a day, six days a week is one hour, fifty-two hours in a, in a given year. When was the last time you spent fifty-two hours doing anything to try to get better? So if you spent the next year just ten minutes a day and invested fifty-two hours on your business plan and all those things I talked about, you'd be ready to have that fiscal and content cushion, ready to rock and roll uh, as you pull the lever from a W-2 to an entrepreneur. I think that's great advice. Absolutely great. Very well said. The thing you said about the passion uh, hit home pretty hard with me. The reason I failed horribly last year with my leap was because I was running after an income opportunity that I had no real passion with. Um, so I, I know that pain all too well, and I, I'm thankful for that pain and that struggle because out of that you get perspective and you, you can write and talk about it the rest of your life and help other people. But no, it's just, you just hit the nail on the head three times in a row. So very, very well said, man. Appreciate that. Thanks. So what's next for you in talented learning? Where do you guys go from here? You know, we're in January of 2017 and I'm sure you've got a uh, goals and things this year. So what does it look like? Yeah, it's fun. It's uh, it, it's rapidly evolving, uh, as, uh, you know, each year brings on a uh, new and, and broader opportunity. So our, our number one goal was to fill up our consulting schedules, uh, to get enough business that we could keep ourselves uh, busy with uh, helping organizations with serious learning management uh, needs. We, we accomplished that. So we're, we're completely maxed out. We refer a lot of business to, to other places because uh, it's hard to, to staff up from a scalability standpoint because, you know, people that, you know, have uh, – you know, a, a decade of sales experience and our entrepreneurs and willing to give up their W-2 aren't falling off trees. And so, you know, we found pretty quickly that, you know, we're not going to scale up with a whole lot of people like ourselves so that we had to scale up uh, from a content perspective and to try to uh, try to replicate uh, the personal help with, uh, you know, with, with content. And so in light of that, what we've been doing is working on online courses uh, here, so practicing what we preach, uh, eating our own dog food, so to speak, of of now taking all of our intellectual capital and and, and putting it into courseware to help people buy and and sell uh, learning management systems. So uh, things like feature guides and you know how to guides, and and so we've been uh, pulling that together. Last year, we had our first uh, publication called the LMS Almanac, uh, where we pulled together our first two years of research into a. Uh, in, into uh, one consolidated document, and now we've taken that to the next level and made that uh, interactive and content-based. So 2017, our main goal is really now to, to build our paid content business as uh, a secondary uh, stream of, of of income for our organization. Very nice. Passive income's great, isn't it? 
I've read about it. (laughs) (laughs) You'll find out soon enough, I'm sure. I'll let you know next year. All right. Sounds great. Well, if anybody listening uh, really loves what you said and would like to connect with you, uh, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Uh, You can uh, find me on Twitter at at John Lay, J-O-H-N-L-E-H is probably the easiest or John Lay at talentedlearning.com is my email. Feel free to reach out or reach out via LinkedIn or any social media. We've got a pretty strong presence. Okay. And I'll tell you guys, he's very responsive and easy to get a hold of. So that's always a big plus too. Well, John, I certainly appreciate your time today. I've had a great time with it. I hope it's been enjoyable for you as well. Yeah. Thanks very much uh, for inviting me in. It's it's fun to talk about uh, the starting the business uh, and just that whole process. And uh, anybody out there that, that is in that and wants to bounce off any ideas, I'm happy to help. All right. We appreciate that, sir. Thank you very much. Welcome, sir. Have a great day. You too. If you need anything from us ever, obviously you're part of the family now, so no problem at all. Well, if you guys want to check out the show notes from this episode, just go to intentionallyinspirational.com forward slash episode 53. We'll have our show notes there. We'll have links to John's Twitter account, his um, website, and his email as well. Nice and convenient for you. And something new I want to throw at you. So just for the first episode of the show, I uh, paid somebody to transcribe it for me into words. I wonder if there's any of you out there that find the, the transcriptions valuable. I'd love to get some feedback on that because I've got a lot of episodes and I don't want to spend the time and the money to do it if I don't think people are going to pay attention to us. I'm kind of curious. I did one episode. I'd love for somebody to take a peek at that. Um, right there on our, our podcast page, um, right under the show notes, there's a link for that transcription. I'm just curious if people like um, consuming this kind of content that way. So uh, if somebody reach out to me, let me know. That'd be awesome. So I want you guys to enjoy the rest of your week. I realize this episode is coming out late, but better late than never. And we will catch up to you next week. We've got uh, three great guests that I was supposed to record with today, actually, today being Wednesday, January 25th, but I had to cancel all of them because of my stupid issues with my computer. So I'll take the baby steps. I'll get an episode pushed out one at a time, and we've got more great guests just like John coming up in the the next coming weeks and months, and we will keep doing what we're doing. I'll tell you another thing. This just popped in my head, but we are running the highest 30-day volume Sorry about that. Looks like my uh, Mac rang my phone into the podcast, so wonderful. We we are running the highest 30-day download volume I've ever seen. Um, Thank you, guys. Keep spreading the word. If you haven't subscribed on iTunes, please do so. Um, We love doing this, and we love uh, getting your feedback as well. Enjoy your week. Take care. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of our show. We hope that we brought you one step closer to maximizing your greatness. See you next time.